I was here for a few hours this morning and went back home to get ready with my family. But um, this message was birthed last week. Actually, it kind of it kind of joins everything with every message that I preached here for the last three months. Kind of all comes together with this one message here. It's about the armor of God, but it all comes together with this one thing. It's all tied to the armor of God. It's all tied to what God did for me. Um, this week on my way to work, my church, or my truck, my church, my truck made this kind of funny noise a little bit. And the first thing, I talked about this in the men's meeting briefly, we're going to get a little more in depth of today. My, tr- my truck made this kind of funny noise. In the first place, where's your mind go to? Oh man, what's that going to cost me? That sounded bad. Uh, you know, when we start thinking bad things and we get negative things and we start going down that way. We start heading down that way with our mind. That's how the devil works on us, right? Yeah. He throws an idea out there, an imagination, a thought, and he gets us to speak our authority against ourselves. Yep. That's what he does. That's how he works. Um, so I started thinking these things in my mind, but then I thought, hold on a minute. Hold on just a minute there. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Amen. Right. Nothing Amen. formed against me shall prosper. No ideas, no no. Imagination, any of these things are going to prosper. I said that. The truck only did it for a second. It was a weird noise. It may have been something to tire. I don't even know what it was. But this is how it works. So when I said that scripture, immediately my mind went to what God does. Yeah. What God's done for me. What God's going to do for me. How God works. How his plan works. His promises that I have in my life. This whole book right here is full of God's promises. Right. To get that, we need to get, we need to get entangled with this book here and let it be a part of us. Completely a part of us. Yeah. One, one translation says it's infused. When you're filled with the Holy Ghost, it's infused into you. Right. You know what infusion is? That would be like if I took a, a T-shirt and dipped it into a bucket of water. It's a dry T-shirt, and I put it in a, wet, in a bucket of water. That, that water just soaks up through it until every fiber of it, is, the saturation is, is leveled out. It's all one, one saturated. The whole thing saturated the same. You get this? Yeah. That's how we have God's Word into us. That's, right. that's, what, that's the way we need to be living in this. So that we don't let our minds start to wander right off the bat. We don't let those imaginations come over us and get us, trick us into using our, our authority against ourselves. But instead, we claim God's word. We stand on God's word. That's where we need to be at. Amen. Then when I pulled up at work the day after this happened, um, the scripture popped in my head. And it wasn't that I knew what the scripture was. It was Ephesians 6.19. The Spirit spoke to me. Ephesians 6.19. Lord God, I'm kind of running late here right now. What am I supposed to do with this? I, I started thinking I better write it down before. This is just a piece of where we're going to go today. This was the first piece he gave me to this sermon. Mm-hmm. Ephesians 6.19, though, kept sticking in my head, and I thought, well, I, I better read that thing. So before I read into work real quick, I pulled out my little Bible app on my phone, and I read it. Ephesians 6.19 says, Pray also for me, so that when I begin to speak, the right words will come to me. Then I will boldly speak, boldly make known, the secrets of the gospel. So when I open my mouth up, I want God's word to come out of my mouth. Yeah. Think about that. I want my God's word to come out of my mouth today while I'm talking to you. But also, when my truck made that little funny noise, when I open my mouth up, what do you want to come out of? You want God's word to come out of it. Because it's either going to be positive or negative. Right. Life or death. That's right. We make that decision. We make that decision every day. So I started reading this. Ephesians 6, 19. Okay, that's pretty good, God. I do want your words to come out of my mouth. So maybe I should, and I always read before and after the scripture, maybe a chapter before and a chapter after and the the chapter that it contains so that we know where it's coming from, what he was talking about, so we don't get it out of context or anything. Uh, So I started reading and started with 6.1, starts talking about children, 
honor your mother and fathers. It gives advice to slaves, masters, all these things. When it gets down to 10, though, let's start talking about the armor of God. Verse 10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So I'm going to be strong in the Lord and his power of his might. Not that I can do anything. I can't walk anything down. I can't do anything. I can't change myself. I can't do one single thing without God's power. That's right. The power that's in his mind. That's the power I'm relying on. That's the power I'm asking you to check yourself and make sure you're relying on today. Don't think you can walk this walk down as a Christian because you can do it. Because I got willpower. I'm going to do it myself. Because I'm strong. I got a strong back. I'm going to do it myself. It's not going to work like that, folks. He says right here. My brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Right. He doesn't say anything about your might. He says his might. Right. So we read on here. Verse 11 says, put on the whole armor of God. Anyone know what the whole armor of God is? Some of us might. We're going to go a little deeper into it today. That's good. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Right. Anyone know what a wile is? Well, I took the time to look it up for you. In the, in the Greek, a wile is a travesty. Or to be distorted is what travesty means. Is that not how the devil works? Yeah. Yes, he, he's not smart enough or crafty enough to make something up of his own. But he has to take something of God and distort it just a little bit. Yes. Now, if I'm looking through this glass and it has a little bubble or a little chunk in it where it's swelled out at, thing doesn't look, reality doesn't look the same through that, does it? When I'm looking at this thing, reality doesn't look like it's supposed to look like the truth of God, because there's a lie in the way. Something's distorting that thing. It goes on to say, um, trickery, deceit, to lie in wait, a cunning art, or a method. Is this not, a, this is the method the devil uses, to deceive us, to trick us. To trick us into using our own authority against ourselves, right? Yeah. Everyone believes we have authority here, right? Yes. Genesis 1.26 says it. It says, let us make man. He's talking, Father's talking to the Son and the Holy Ghost. Let us make man, make him in our image. And give him authority, or dominion, domain, you know what dominion is, same with authority, over everything on earth, over all the spirits. Then Adam lost it, he gave it up. He didn't lose it, he gave it up because the devil used trickery on him. Got him to use his authority against himself. Got him to eat of the tree of life. He tricked him. He couldn't walk up and snatch it from him because God gave it to him. Jesus comes back, the second Adam, the Bible calls him, comes back, dies, goes down, takes the keys of death, hell, and the grave, takes all the authority back. See, devil ran the world for this time. He took all the authority back, and then Luke 10, 19 says, I give unto, this is Jesus talking, this is Jesus talking to you, says, I give unto you true power. Power translates to authority. So to smash vipers and scorpions under feet, to walk all over the power of the enemy, and nothing by shall any means hurt you. You think that, well, that is a snake, and no, that's not what he's talking about there, because verse 20 goes on to say, not rejoicing in this, that the spirits are subject unto you, he says, with a little s. The spirits is not, the, when it's the spirit of God, it's a big s, right? Are y'all following this? Yeah. Yeah. So don't rejoice that the spirits are subject unto you, but rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb Book of Life. Amen. Amen. Yes. I don't know why I went on a little trail there, but that's the way the Spirit led me today. So we're going to go on and read uh, verse 11, it also says, Against the wiles of the devil. You know what the Greek has to say about the devil? It starts off saying he's Satan. He's a false accuser, a slanderer, a transducer. Anybody know what a transducer is? It says to expose, to shame, or expose to shame or blame by means of falsehood 
or misrepresentation. Think about that. Does that know what the devil does to us? He makes you ashamed of what you do. He gives you fear, doubt, unbelief. Yes. Through misrepresentation, through the spot on the glass, the bubble on the glass that he puts out there. That's how he does. You notice that his name is kind of the same as Wiles? You notice that? We're going to get a little more into that later. The ISV uses the word there, strategies. It's the strategies of the devil. He can't walk up and take anything from us. He has to use a strategy and trick us to deceive us and to give it up and to use these things for us. And it opened my mouth and speaking against myself. Um, 12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand. Have you done these things? Stand up, church. Let's get this armor on today. Verse 15 or verse 14 says, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with the truth. What's he talking about there? The belt of truth. Right? What's the belt of truth for? Think about this. At medieval times when they're talking about what they use their belt for. They didn't have pants on. <laughs> oh, their sword. Their sword would have hung from the belt. Think about this. We're going to get into the sword here a little bit longer. But if you have if you have this sword, I'm getting ahead of myself. You have to have this belt of truth. You notice that the, the armor starts out with the truth, though. Starts out with the truth, the opposite of what the devil is, right? Yeah. He lies and deceives. He's coming, lays in wait for us, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You know what they're talking about there? Your feet shod. Shod means to put on sandals or shoes. So if your feet are prepared with the gospel. Spiritual preparations, what they're talking about here. Think about this in today's terms. All the high-tech things that the United States military has. If, if you handed that over to someone who hasn't been trained with it, what are they going to do with it? And send them out into battle. They're going to get killed with it. They haven't been prepared. They haven't been trained to use these things. You can give them all this 75 or 80 pounds of gear or whatever, and if they take off out here with it in a hostile environment, they're going to get shot. Because they don't know how to use the things they've been equipped with. Are you following me here? Yeah. Spiritual preparedness is the same thing. Spiritual. We need to realize that the spiritual realm is more real than the physical realm is. Amen. You think that's not true? Amen. God spoke this whole thing into existence. Amen. Now, how does that happen if it's not more real? That's how, he got, that's how we got here. He spoke you into existence. He said it. Bam, it happened. That's the big bang theory for you. <laughs> so spiritual preparedness a lot of people want to come to church they want, they want to turn to God when something bad's happened in their life same thing just like this giving these people this soldier gear and sending them out there now if you wait till something bad happens in your life you're in a tragedy, you're laid up in the hospital or a loved one's laid up in the hospital something's bad's happened to you and you try to grow your faith in my friend you're in trouble yeah. you're in deep trouble if you wait till that time you have to be spiritually prepared before the battle breaks out. Before these things break out, you have to be prepared. You need to be in here digging in this word right here. This is the answer right here. This is the answer to everything. The most powerful weapon on this earth is this book. More powerful than a machine gun. More powerful than an atomic bomb is this book right here. Do you get that? Yes. Do you understand that? Yes. So we have to be spiritually prepared. 16 goes on to say, above all, Taking the shield of faith, 
wherewith ye, have, ye shall be able to quench the fiery darts of the wickedness. So we have the shield of faith. I was reading up on what this would have been. It would have been something about the shape of a door, a square thing that a man would get behind. If I didn't have a good grasp on this shield, if something hit it, it's going to knock it out of my hand, right? It's going to knock it over or come back and hit me and knock me down or something. What's my faith in today, church? What's my faith in? If I have this shield of faith, it's going to stop the fiery darts. Stop the ideas, the, the bad images, the bad things that are going on in my mind where the devil attacks me. Where's my faith in today? Is it, is, do I have faith that my faith is going to heal me? Do I have faith that my faith is going to stop these fiery darts? It's not it at all, church. We have to have faith in Him. Yes. In His Word. What His Word says to us. My, my God's a great big God, and He's got this. He's got this whole thing. That's what we got to believe in. God's got this. Yeah. He's my dad. He adopted me, brought me into His family. And He's got this. He's going to take care of me. That's what I have to believe in. I have to believe in Him, in His promises, in this book. Now, I can't just have faith in anything and believe that's going to work and speak and it's going to work. Because it don't work like that. You have to know your word. You have to get into these words. You know, find the word that fits your familiar sin. That's what we need to do. Find the word that fits our familiar sins. Everyone has them. And apply those, that word. When the devil hits us there, I believe when you get saved, the Spirit of God comes inside of you and lives. The Bible says it, so I believe it. The day I got saved, I was sealed with the Spirit. That's what it says, big S this time. That's the Holy Spirit. Yes. That's right. So the Bible also says that he speaks to me through my spirit. He witnesses to me through my spirit. So when I get saved and the Spirit of God moves inside of me, the devil cannot attack me here any longer. That's right. right. That's right. So he's going to attack me in the mental realm. He's going to attack me in the mental realm. He's going to give me thoughts, imaginations. We had a sermon on this a couple weeks ago, right? Yeah. Everybody was here? Most of you was here? He's going to give me thoughts or imaginations. God gave me this imagination, first off. It's like a big picture. Imagine we have a big projector for this picture. God gave me this, project, this, this picture here, this projector, to show me the promises of his book. So if I see these things and I read them and I see what God puts on my projector, I start to believe in these things. Once you see something long enough, right, you start to believe in it. Yeah. Yeah. What do you do once you start to believe in something? You start to talk about it. Your mouth starts to move. Your words start to come out. That's where your authority comes from. That's how you use your authority, right? Yeah. <clears throat> so when the devil attacks me here, he, he attacks that, he takes that thing, he distorts it just a little bit, he distorts the truth of God, makes me think I'm not worthy, gives me fear, gives me doubt, gives me unbelief. Yeah. You understand, fear, doubt, unbelief, that's the opposite of what faith is? Right. That's the complete opposite of it, that's where the devil's coming from. So he, he perverts my imagination a little bit to, to fit what he wants me to believe, and then when he can get me to believe that I'm having a pain in my back, I have a pinched nerve... I, there's something wrong with my truck. Whatever it is that, that he's getting us to believe, I can try it one time. I'm past that now. For some of us, that's happened to me before. Addictions. Maybe that's our weak spot. Maybe that's our sin. I've been past it. I've been clean for this long. Now maybe I can try it one time again. Come you on. can't do it. It's not about you anyway. It's about God. It's about what God's done for you. Yeah. And you know what? Jesus never told you to try it again one time. Yeah. No, he, didn't. he didn't say that. It's not his word anywhere. So we have to get in this word. We have to live by it. Went down another trail there. I wasn't planning on um, so what's my faith in? It needs to be in the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God only. 17 says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Yeah. What's the Word of God? Your Bible. The truth. Yeah. It's the truth. It's the opposite of a lie, right? So what's a soldier do with his weapon? In a men's group, we brought, I brought in a gun and laid on the table, and we had a discussion about that. 
couple people might have been freaked out a little bit, but it's, it's, it's something they won't forget. They the preacher brought a pistol and laid on the table and asked me about it. <laughs> so <laughs> you need to familiarize with yourself. That's where we went with the bench group. You have to familiarize yourself with this weapon that I have. If this is the weapon I'm going to fight with, the sword I have here, this is what I'm going to fight with. I need to be familiar with this thing. Yeah. I need to know what it does, how it works. Right. Another thing with my feet also being shod in the gospel, it doesn't slip. I don't slip. Because if I'm slipping around, I'm going to fall. If I'm swinging this sword around in the mud, I'm going to slip and fall. But falling on the rock, I have a firm footing, right? Mm -hmm. So when the devil throws lies at us or fire darts, we have, our, we have our shield to catch the darts. But then we can also say, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. We chop these things down. We knock them down. We knock the lies away from us. Guess what happens immediately when you do that? Immediately when you speak the word of God, when you release the word of God on it, the, the power is already here. You have to release it. It's up to you to release it. When you release the word of God with the power of, of the sword of truth, guess what happens? Immediately, your mental image goes to what the promise is. How great is my God? How great is... We did a song earlier today, and we might do it again here at the end. It talks about how great he is through generation to generation to generation. Think about that. Can any man do that? No. No man can do that. How many generations have been here since, since he made us? Every man that was here then is dead. Buddha, Allah, dead. They're all dead. Any other God besides the God that's written about in this book, Yahweh, they're dead. He's the only one who lives on from generation to generation. The only one true living God. The Bible says he uses prophecies in his book to prove that he's the one true living God. Prophecies are something that's written about years before, thousands of years before. A lot of times there's some in here that are 2,700 years old that are written about that we're seeing coming true today. Israel became a nation again in 1948. That was prophesied about 2,700 years ago in great detail. Told exactly the order they were going to come back in. Told that they were going to buy their country back. All these things in great detail. In one day. You know how many times that happened before in history? Before 1948? Never. 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 Ever in the history of the world has ever happened. Now you tell me how did Isaiah and, and uh, Joel was the other one. How did, how did they know that? 2,700 years ago. Brother David, can you tell me what's going to happen in 100 years? <laughs> I'm just saying, put yourself in that position. What's going to happen tomorrow? This country may not even be here in 100 years. It may not look like it looks in 100 years. This town may not be here. It could be buried under 100 feet of dirt. You know what I'm saying? These men were saying things 2,700 years ago, and they happened exactly with great detail, 100% accurately, the way they said they happened. That's God. Um, 17, the word of truth. Uh, it's okay. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. So we can use the word of God. We can put the word of God on anything, right? Any problems, any fiery darts, any lies, any deceit that the devil throws at me, I can release the word of God on it. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is inspired of God. Right? The truth. The truth shall set you free, right? So any scripture in this book, if I find it in here, if it, if it fits what I'm saying, all I have to do is say that thing. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. That's a good one. That fits a lot of things. That fits addictions. That fits things going wrong. That fits all sorts of things. I got that. I'm coming to it. <laughs> My wife's giving me cue cards up here on the front row. <laughs> I'm switching translations here just a bit of uh, Isaiah 54, 17, though. I'm going to turn there real quick. Sorry. Anybody get anything out of this? 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Isaiah 54:17 says, "No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn." Every tongue that rises against you, thou shalt condemn. So I can condemn every evil tongue that comes against me with God's word. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. You get in this church, there's power in this. Amen. You know, when I first started reading this Bible, I always saw these shows and movies and stuff about Masons and how, how there was a secret aura around, how much power there was involved in all these things. And this is where it's at right here. Amen. This has more power, power than anything on the earth, anything that man's going to goes on to say, this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. So my righteousness is not from me anyway. It comes from God. It comes directly from God. And anything anybody throws at me, any negative tongue, anybody, anything says, I can cast them down using this book right here, using what this book says about me, the promises of God. If God said it, brothers and sisters, you can take it to the bank. Yeah. Now, if I said it, I might be mistaken. I may be misinformed. I may have read the wrong book. But if God says it, you can take it to the bank. It's a fact. It will happen exactly as he says it will happen. 100% of the time. Um, verse 18 now in Ephesians 6, 18. I'm going to read out the ISV because it fits a lot better. It made a lot more sense to me anyway. 18 says, Pray in the Spirit at all times with every kind of prayer and request. Likewise, be alert with your most diligent efforts and pray for all the saints. What's he saying there? We should be praying for all the saints. Who are the saints? Look around you. The people set in this room. The, the people that are being perfected. Now, we may think that we're misfits. I've heard people say that we're bringing misfits in here. But we may think that about ourselves or whatever. God doesn't think that about us. No. We're worth a fortune to God. He gave his son to come here and die a miserable, horrible death for you yeah. and for me. Now, if he thinks that much of you, I wouldn't give grace up for you or Sydney up for you. You'd be in trouble, folks. You know what I'm saying? But if he thinks that much of you to give his son up for that for you, he thinks a lot of you. So we need to be praying for each other all the time. I try to do this several times a week. I try to go down each row of this church mentally in my mind and think of all the names because most of you set the same spots about every time. I've been trying to get my wife to freak everybody out to sit on the other side one time. She won't go with me on it. She's stuck right there. Most people are playing over the seats they're at, though. So I try to go down the rows and think of the faces. And I'm getting to know most of your names now. But I go right down the rows and I try to think of what it is that I know about your life or whatever. Or, or if I don't know, I just pray the blessings of God on you and pray that God holds you up every day. And God reminds us all every day of who He is yeah. and who we are in Him. And what his plan is for our lives. I go through this. I try to go through it a few times a week. But I'd ask you, everyone joining that. That's what the scriptures say I us to do here. Pray also for me. So that when I begin to speak, the right words will come to me. I want God's words to come out of my mouth when I speak. Now how can I go out here in the world and witness to the people? Witness to my family, to my sister. To the men on the line I work with. How can I witness to those people if I have negative things coming up? I tell a dirty joke. Or if I tell you what God's done for me, I tell you my testimony, and then I crack a beer open again, what's that mean to you? It doesn't mean anything to you. Our, our, our testimony is all we have. So we have to live a holy lifestyle. God is changing us. We're being perfected. None of us are there yet. We're all on different levels. We have to continue to strive and reach for that. It's how bad do you want to get to the next level. You can have as much or as little God as you like. 
It's completely up to you. It's completely up to me. You can jump rungs as fast as you like. You can go up them slow. I will tell you this, though. If you try to stand still, you'll fall back. Anytime you think you can stand still or you don't move forward, you're going to move backwards. There's no way around it. I don't see a way around it. In my life, with me, that's my personal experience. If I'm not moving forward and reaching for God, I get stagnant. I get stale. I become lukewarm, and I fall backwards. Um, so 20 goes on to say, for whose sake I am an ambassador. Jacked me up and got me out of Isaiah 54, 17. <laughs> I'll go back there. For whose sake I am an ambassador in change, desiring to be declared, to declare the gospel as boldly as I should. So who's he in chains of here? Who's the ambassador of? The truth. For the sake of the truth. He's bound by truth here he's talking about. This is Paul. This is Paul right here. Or, yeah, Paul right here. And he's bound by the truth. We are bound by the truth. What's that mean to be bound by the truth? You're not bound up. I don't have chains on you. You can walk out the door anytime you like, right? Anybody can stand up and walk out of here. But you're bound by the truth because you know now. And since you know, you're held to a higher standard, right? And you're held. The Bible says to him that knows good and doeth not, to him it is sin. So if I know better and I still do it, I'm going to be in more trouble. Now, Katie, she's 18, my 18-year-old daughter. I expect a lot more, 18 or 17 now, 17-year-old daughter. I have so many I get them mixed up. I have seven. <laughs> She's my 17-year-old daughter. I expect a lot more out of her than I do college. The six-year-old was up here earlier. You get what I'm saying? Because she knows better. We're God's children. looks at us the same way. I know better than what I did when I started out. So he's going to hold me to a higher account. And the calling I have on my life, to stand up here and preach and teach to you, he's going to hold me to a higher account. If I make myself become a stumbling block to others, you're the face of this church, folks. I'm the face of this church. We all are the face of this church. If you go out here and people tell you, say that you, you, know, you tell them you go to Grace Family, that makes you a representative of this church. That makes you a representative of God when you say you're a Christian. Yeah. Now, when you do that and you have something spew out of your mouth that shouldn't be coming out of a Christian's mouth, what do you think folks are thinking about Christians? Whoa. This is our biggest enemy today is the church, not the devil. Everyone sees the devil for what he is, I think, for the most part. And they come to church if we're for that. But what, what, what keeps people out of church are hypocrites. I hear it at least two or three times a week in talking to people and dealing with people and inviting them in. They say, I don't want to go down to that church. You have hypocrites down there. Not just this church, but any. The church as a whole. The church as a whole has hypocrites in it because they're saying one thing. They're saying they're this, but they're doing this, and they're doing that. And they see. They're all watching us. Yeah. Paul talks about running a race. The race is ran in an arena, around in a circle in an arena most of the time, right? people all up in the stands and you're on display what do you think would happen if I went to the bar today after we left here down to Wabash and we were eating lunch and I had a beer with my lunch people would know about it before I got back here tonight right the same for you I made my, my life maybe a little higher profile than yours is but it's the same for you we're all the same so we're bound to the truth of the Lord um, Isaiah 54, 17. I just go there earlier. Blunge myself down. Isaiah 54, 17 talks about the weapons formed against us. Um, the song that we sang earlier. God got me up at 4 o'clock in the morning this morning. I came over here, and he had me walking around here praying, walking around the room praying. And I had myself a time in the Lord here. 
The Spirit moved. I had the Holy Ghost all over me this morning in here. I had church before most of you got out of bed. <laughs> I went home and went back to bed for an hour, but I, I, did, I told Steve when I came back, I said, I didn't even need this today. I'm going to go to bed. You all go and do it yourself. Um, anyways, this song has been stuck in my head all day. Lord, you are good. Can you go ahead and play that? Lord, you are good, and your, and your mercy endures forever. You know the song we sang earlier? Yes. Can we do that one more time? We did it on accident earlier. I put that toward the end if I wanted to use it at the end. But I, I'd like to do that again here and just really get into this and praise God. Think about what he's done for us. He gave his son for us. He put all these things into effect. He put all these armors that we could use. He didn't just make us and leave us here. Did he? he equipped us. He trained us. We did this song and then we're in this little unorthodox today. We'll come back for an altar call.